Hello. Today's conversation is with Miles McConnell, who is a classical guitar player who I met back at the University of Wisconsin-Madison when he was working on his doctorate and I was working on my bachelor's in music composition. And we were both in Javier Calderon's classical guitar studio and we met playing in guitar ensemble and through master classes and things like that. In our conversation today, we get into the world of classical guitar and how that relates to flamenco and country and jazz and all other forms of guitar. We talk about arranging and what the role of guitar is in an ensemble and how guitar can be used as its own full ensemble. But before we get to that, please remember to like, leave a comment, and subscribe to my channel. And if you would like to consider supporting my content generally, please visit my Patreon page. Also, for patrons who are willing to pledge just $1 a month, you get access to write-in questions for Ask Me Anything episodes or to ask to guests on the podcast. Welcome to Music in Mind. Music in Mind. Hello, everybody. This is Miles McConnell. He is a classical guitarist, and uh, we met at the University of Wisconsin-Madison uh, many years ago. When Miles was working on his doctorate and uh, I was working on my bachelor's, but we were both in uh, Javier Calderon's classical guitar studio, and uh, I think I think we got to play one one semester, maybe two semesters of uh, guitar ensemble together. And uh, I remember going to your uh, classical guitar recital at the the press house, the Presbyterian house, where you played some Bach, and I was just like blown away by your ability to play such a, a, a complex and uh, I don't know, th that piece really blew me away because it was, it, it's such a feat taking on a piece like that. Wow. Thanks. I think it was the, yeah. the Prelude Allegro and Fugue, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The Prelude Fugue and Allegro oh, okay. in that right. order. Yep. But I mean, you, you got all the, you got... <laughs> You got the Holy Trinity, and that's that's sort of a joke, but not really. Actually, uh, uh, at one point, I remember somebody playing that piece for Pepe Romero in a in a master class, and him saying, "This is the Holy of the Holies." In terms of this piece, is like this is just such oh, a yeah. masterpiece. And for guitar repertoire, you know, it's an, it's a curious one. It's it's it was originally written for this. Um, maybe you know this, Anthony, but it was written for I think a. a an instrument that was something like the Lautenwerk. I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, but okay. it was like a lute keyboard. Okay. Now Bach, as you know, was very interested in all the different kinds of like developments that were happening in instrument building mm -hmm. during his time. And like right. anything that was kind of new and innovative in, in terms of instruments, he was actually very interested in that. Um, and so this was a kind of, it, I think it had strings similar to a lute and it sounded similar to the lute, mm -hmm. but it was a keyboard. And Whoa. then I think maybe they scholars think that he perhaps uh, transcribed it to lute. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, I think it maybe exists in a couple of different iterations, but it has become a, a staple of the classical guitar repertoire. Right, and it's right, a, of course. yeah, and it's a big, it's a big piece. It's been a while oh, since yeah. I've played that particular one. It'd be nice to dust that off. Bach is always a big project. It's, I've kind of have started to feel the itch again for Bach um, because it's been certainly pre-pandemic for me in terms of playing 
Bach, at mm-hmm. least really sinking my teeth. Maybe I played a movement or two here or there, but right. really sinking my teeth into a larger work. It's been a couple of years. I was playing um, actually a great uh, transcription by Denis Osobagich of the solo flute partita. Mm. Uh, in A minor, which is a really, it's it's not one that's played quite as much. David Russell recorded it, and uh, it, it's it's really it's really a fantastic. I mean, anything by Bach really is is, is yeah. good. Oh, yeah. pretty, everything oh, yeah. pretty good if, if it's by Bach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, Bach. I mean, for us as classical musicians and mm-hmm. guitarists, classical guitarists, Bach is kind of the pinnacle in a lot of ways. Right. Um, you know, there's just, it's like the music is sort of firing on all cylinders, yes. you know, yep. everything is, is happening and there, and there's so much depth to it. It's, I think it's one of a very small handful of um, types of repertoire that I think you can never really tire of as a performer. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you might get tired from, you might get fatigued, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't go grow sort of bored of it. I don't think right. ever, um, mm-hmm. uh, because it's so deep and so di- musically dense, but in a, in a great way. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I use, uh, I mean the most basic piece ever by Bach, everybody knows it. the, the, the C major prelude from the well-tempered clavier as a composition model for teaching students how to start to think about uh, long-term through composed structures that have uh, a sense throughout uh, because the voice leading in it is is out of this world, but it's also really weird in its own way. It has all these little inconsistencies and these little um, peculiarities to the way it's composed specifically. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the structure is so perfect but so surprising at the same time Mm -hmm. it's like it it i I was having this conversation recently it's like um i've heard other actually leonard bernstein has this really Mm -hmm. great um little video that you can find where he's talking it's if you look it up maybe you have to look up like leonard bernstein talks about tchaikovsky and beethoven or something he's sitting at the piano and it's you know like old Litter Bernstein mm-hmm. with his like cigarette and uh, <laughs> and like wonderful. playing the piano yeah. with his cigarette and uh, and he's explaining how Be- Beethoven, um, you know, you look at Beethoven's manuscripts mm-hmm. and they're all a mess and they're all you know, like oh, yeah. everything scratched out and rewritten a number of times and stuff like that. Um, but but that when you listen to Beethoven, like it's so funny. Lenny talks about how like the orchestration is not great like the like the, like <laughs> oh i like, think i know, know this video now that you say yeah, that like, that like, sounds like something i've heard and yep. like that. but that the and that the oh oh he plays like the funeral march from uh the seventh symphony that bum 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 and he just sort of plays that one note he's like how do you like this melody he's <laughs> like the melodies aren't great he's like uh you know all this stuff but the thing that makes beethoven phenomenal and like at the you know absolute height of um, of, of, of classical Western music is that every note that comes after the one that preceded it could not have been anything else but that note. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Like it's this this idea that it's sort of perfectly constructed, mm-hmm. and so the result is that it almost seems divinely inspired or whatever. Sure. But that that 
kind of thing. I've been thinking about that lately in terms of like choosing repertoire, doing arrangements and things that I'm looking for music that's sort of constructed in such a way that, um, I don't know, it just seems like it couldn't have really been anything else. It's somehow, right. it's just right. Like yep. that, the way that it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Bach for sure achieves that yeah. you know, as, as, as well as anyone. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I mean, Bach, Bach is amazing. And, it, and he, his music is my go-to in terms of probably both technique and ear training as a player. I think uh, uh, it, it's, it's my favorite sort of nose to the grindstone. Like I'm going to work out my ears and I'm going to work out my, the connection between my brain and my fingers. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's essentially, we could say that it's like getting your, getting around Bach. I mean, getting, um, getting to a certain point with Bach and really wrestling with Bach and at least working up a few pieces and diving in Mm -hmm. the way that you just talked about is I would say something like an actor, you know, really reckoning with Shakespeare and really having like at least a few parts under their belt and a few of the, you know, great monologues or whatever, um, that there's so much in that, um, that you can never be mm-hmm. exhausted really. Yeah. Um, and like somebody else, I forget who said this, but somebody has also said that like, no matter what you do to Bach, like you could play it, you know, on distorted electric guitar oh, yeah. or, or whatever. <laughs> and, and people like, do. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. People definitely do play it on, you know, electric electronic synthesizer, mm-hmm. do whatever, oh, do yeah. it on uh glass, uh, you know, whatever they call that glass harmonica yeah. or, um, yeah and it's still i've heard some actually uh there's a there's a guitarist that i really like a steel string guy named tony mcmanus who mm. who plays celtic music as a, as a scotsman who lives in canada or was did for a long time and uh he has a steel string version of the chaconne oh. uh, which is this is pretty Whoa. cool yeah so he's playing the chaconne on steel string guitar okay. um but i mean really i like so it's really it attack heavy I mean, it's just a different timbre. Yeah, I mean, maybe, right. but it's just a, not not like pedal steel, but just no, like right. you know, yeah, just like acoustic yeah. steel string guitar. Although that would be also interesting. Like, mm. I've been I've been taking a deep dive lately into country music. Um, and oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, so, yeah, you were posting about it. Yeah, it's a little bit. So, like, um, yeah, the pedal steel is an interesting instrument too. But anyway, that's that's a lot of other <laughs> so, yeah. So let, let let's get into a, a, a little bit of your work. So. Um, so we sure. we probably haven't talked in close a to decade. ten years. Yeah, yeah, I know. yeah. I know because I was brand new at UW, and I feel like you you were finishing up. And I remember yeah. that you were working on um, a number of arrangements of Gershwin tunes, which was very cool. And then I remember the 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 Bach that you were playing. Um, but yeah, so w- what's going on? Yeah, how's life? How's music? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks uh a lot's going on and life is pretty good and music is going pretty well and you know this uh, i feel like we're going to be having these conversations for a little Mm -hmm. while right about like because you know this is being 
this conversation is happening in right. June of 2021. And so um, it seems like in the States, we're kind of at a turning point in the pandemic um, right. where thing, where we're kind of turning a page. Now, I was having a conversation with someone earlier today where um, someone who, a, a friend and colleague of mine who um, has a position at the university here and was saying that he's kind of predicting that there may be like an outbreak in the fall and that right. there's going to be like these little setbacks kind of that we're not kind of completely out of the woods. He wasn't predicting that there would be anything catastrophic, but mm -hmm. that, you know, we may have outbreaks. There's these different variants and stuff like this of the right. virus still that are popping up. And of course, other countries are um, not maybe quite where we are with the vaccines and all right. that and still struggling in, in a lot of different places. So, I think we have to be, I think a lot of people are, I mean, I was saying this, like everybody wants this to be over and oh, yeah. done with. And, and, oh, yeah. you know, every, I don't care where you are on the political <laughs> spectrum or whatever. Oh, yeah. That's one thing we can agree with. We want this behind us. We want to move forward. Right. Mm -hmm. But we, but you know, that's not exactly how science works, you know, <laughs> in terms of, I mean, just because we want it to, to be over, it doesn't make mm -hmm. it over, you know? So um, I think, and I, I include myself in this. I mean, I'm, I'm anxious to, um, you know, certainly get back to live performance yeah. and that's starting to happen. I know you, I know you're doing some of that now as well. And, mm -hmm. um, but you know, I, so I'm not sure that we're quite at the point where like we could have the ticker tape parade and like the, you know, yep. the moment in the, yep. um, yep. the, mo the, the, the kiss <laughs> moment with the sailor coming off of the world war two. Yeah. Like, you know, we want to, we all want that. You oh know? yeah. But, um, and we're, maybe we're close to that, but I don't know that we're quite there yet. Um, so, but I think we're going to be having these conversations for, a, for, for quite some time about, mm -hmm. and, you know, maybe for the rest of our lives, even because this has been such a huge event, right? Right. Um, but about kind of what was this period like? And especially it's so interesting for musicians, right? Because we, I think that we are in a very unique um, situation in that one critical element or one, one very important aspect of what we do is just completely taken away or yep. almost completely taken away mm -hmm. live performance. Right. Yep. Um, and of course that's, um, that that's been hard for musicians, you know, who, who rely on that for their livelihood and who, and for whom that's a big part of their passion and, and all of that. And it's going to come back, you know, it is a matter of time, but of course it's going to come right. back. Um, but that has been, you know, obviously a big part of this on the flip side, I would say, you know, um, and this is not true. Everyone's experience is going to be different and, you know, that's, that's just what, what it is. Um, you know, every, everyone had different kinds of challenges, you right. know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I would say that like for me, it afforded me an opportunity to, to dig into some projects that I mm -hmm. had not really felt that I had the time for or some or whatever. Right. And I think that's the case with a lot of people that I've heard conversations of and, and mm -hmm. spoken with and so forth is that like, um, you know, just having the time to write, to, to, yep. to arrange, to, oh, yeah. to work on different, to record, to do d different kinds of things. And, you know, to try to like basically kind of work with what we have, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's interesting, like to go back to your question, um, 
Yeah, I, I've done the most arranging in my life that year of my last year of my doctoral degree where I was doing uh-huh. my doctoral project and this past year. That's amazing. Those yep. Yep. That's have been, I, I didn't do a ton of it in between, but in uh-huh. terms of arranging, I've, right. and now I'm hoping that it's going to be something that I'm going to, I really feel like I've got some momentum and I've kind of really fallen in love with that aspect of making music on the guitar mm-hmm. and, um, you know, making new arrangements, looking for trying to figure out what kinds of things can work and sort of, um, you know, just really explore and have fun with it and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, and, and all that sort of thing. So for me, it's been kind of a, um, I would say that it's been a mixed bag, this, this, right. this pandemic period, and that there's been actually some good on a personal mm-hmm. level, um, in terms of the work, the, the, the music, that I've been, um, you know, creating on the guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I, I, I think last year was probably one of my more productive years I've had in a long time. Um, maybe for better and for worse, I wrote an orchestral piece, I put out a short album, I started writing articles and things like this. So I, I think what you're saying is is very true for a lot of us. We we found the time to do things, and we've also shifted the way we do things. And I've actually in uh, I've grown to appreciate teaching over over Zoom in in an interesting way, because what I've found is that where I used to make up for a lot of my students. Um, technical flaws by playing with them to try and help them feel good about their playing you can't really do over zoom and so it's this it's this very stark situation where students are kind of forced to face the fact that they're making this music all on their own in their own room or whatever and so i i think that there there have been a lot of aspects to the to the pandemic that have been interesting in showing all of us where we are, where we could be a lot pushing a lot harder. And then also, you know, emotionally very difficult for all of us because of the separation, because of uh, social distancing and all of this. So it's this weird mixed bag. It's a very strange situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're right on. I think I agree with that so much that it's like, yeah, what you just said about it kind of forcing us in a way to, um, if you're willing to do it, you you're yep. kind of forced to, but then you can turn away from like, <laughs> right. I, you know, should I do I face the things that I want to work on that mm-hmm. I that I think I can improve upon, or do I want to kind of turn away from that? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's you know, and we I've had moments where I turn away, yeah. but I think of course. more often I, I've come back and um, kind of worked on, you know. And one one thing I is we we started before we kind of um, started really rolling here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really I've never been just that technical minded, I, but now right. you know I'm doing I'm trying to kind of really um, get to a point where I can do my own videos to a level where I really like um, right. the quality of mm-hmm. video that I'm and yep. audio and I and you know I I feel like each video that I'm doing i feel like it's kind of a little bit better than the last and that's actually Uh always my goal that's always my goal with everything and when i was teaching that's what i that's 
you know, I, I learned this um, maybe from my dad, who was my first teacher, or maybe from one of my other early teachers, I don't remember, but this idea that like, as a kid, when I practice, if I practice for 20 minutes, I want to have progressed, even if it's yep. like a very tiny amount, um, you know, after I, once I get up, be a little further along than when I sat down. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I mean, what, what else can, can you really expect? Right. You know, right. Um, I mean, that's, 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 I think how the people that we would really, really admire also achieve what they achieve is like, you know, you're sort of chipping away at the things that need improvement. So yeah, that's been one area that I think I, with the technical side of things that I'm still kind of, I, I think it has, I have learned a fair bit because I probably would be like nowhere still and I'm not quite <laughs> at nowhere. I'm still like, I'm still, uh, I have a lot to learn and improve mm-hmm. upon with just, um, just sound audio equipment sure. software and, mm-hmm. and all those things, which I think so many people, um, and I admire people who are just very savvy with that. That's, I think I might, both maybe my natural inclination, just maybe the way my mind works, and also my interest has always been more right. on mm-hmm. just performance, his, the, the the music itself, the oh, yeah. technical yeah. aspects of playing, the performance aspect of of putting together a concert and all that stuff, uh-huh. you know. And but the but the uh, the technical aspects are par- in a lot of cases are part of you know. Um, conveying what you have yep. to uh, convey artistically. So I recognize that it's very important. Sometimes in the past I've outsourced it. I've gone to a studio and, mm-hmm. you know, and that's one way to do it. But of course it has, there are a lot of benefits to being able to do it on your own. Oh yeah. I, there's, there's so many topics this brings up. What um, I, I think about a lot of things about outsourcing work, about um, academia's, relationship to entertainment and where Oof. music and performance fits in in that space and then also uh about uh the the issue of sort of jack of all trades master of none which uh, right. I, I think is a real danger or can be a danger about having too many hats and so yeah. focusing very intently on your performance on your on your musicianship obviously makes it very hard to then be a master of recording equipment, lighting, staging, dramaturgy, the, the entire thing. And so outsourcing it does, does make sense and having a team to work with. But then also the, there seems to be a little bit of a tension between, um, between the focus on your work as an entertainment versus your work as artistic output, maybe. Very interesting. Yeah. And I think a lot about all these things, but I tell you what, the first thing that kind of comes to mind, uh, hearing you say that is that entertainment, I think should not be a dirty word in the world of academia Mm -hmm. and academia should not be a bad word in the world of entertainment. (laughs) Yep. Like what, why are these Mm -hmm. things at odds? They are, they are often at odds. You're, you're right but I don't think they should be right. Uh, and, and so 
you know, that's something really interesting to kind of uh, think about. I- I've actually been out of academia for a number of years right. now. So, um, and, and I haven't even, well, uh, very recently I started teaching a, 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 a few lessons to my cousin, who is actually okay. uh, <laughs> a, a very uh, accomplished musician in his mm-hmm. own right. He, cool. He's a vocalist and does trumpet and has studied formally, in, in fact, in graduate school and, and, mm-hmm. and all that. Um, but was interested in classical guitar and it was an opportunity for me to, um, you know, um, teach him a little bit. Uh, and it, and it was really, really fun to do that. And it, it made me think that, and I've long thought that I expect that while I've taken a break from teaching over the last few years that I may well do some more teaching at some point in the not too distant future in Mm -hmm. some capacity, you know, maybe just taking on a a, a small number of students, maybe just, you know, in a private studio or something like that. Um, But yeah, it's really interesting. I feel that I'm actually really a lot more free having been out of academia, but Uh I also have a lot, I mean, of course, like I'm a, I basically, I'm largely a product of academia because I, I spent so much time in that world Mm -hmm. pursuing degrees and then teaching for a number of years as well. So there, I mean, there's a lot of good there for sure, but I think there's also a lot of things that need to be in my view, really reformed. Um, but that's a whole nother conversation. And I feel like that's, frankly, I feel like that's not really my battle to fight. Now uh-huh. somebody needs to fight it. So <laughs> maybe that's me. That's not, that's okay. I don't, you know, yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm pursuing other battles to fight and that maybe somehow even just by being, like I said, a product of academia, who's now, kind of in this domain where I'm doing music that is like rooted in solid academic classical training, but is now kind of branching out into other right. domains. I kind of hope that in some small way that could demonstrate that like, this is, this is a, one way to go that like, there's so many different, avenues i mean music is is really infinite to me and uh you know i've been thinking about this idea that um i don't know if uh, so for the for the non-university of wisconsin audience (laughs) that'll hear this um uh one of the great faculty members at the university of wisconsin music school is Susan Cook, who's a musicologist, mm, oh, and yeah. she has she yep. has been uh, the director actually for the last several years. Uh, I took a course with her; I believe it was music after 1945. And in that course, she talked about what she called she actually divided the course up into these different um, kind of sections, like you know, a few weeks on this particular area, and she called them musical constellations. Oh, nice. And I thought that was Fun. so interesting. Like, what a what a cool way to mm-hmm. think about it. That like, jazz is a constellation huh. unto itself, okay. you know. And that yeah. and that and that they sometimes they kind of jut up against another constellation, but they're kind of it's a whole deep world into itself. Wow. Okay. And out of the last few years, where I've spent some time kind of dipping my toe into the world of flamenco, dipping my toe into the world okay. of country music, but before mm-hmm. that, dipping my toe in the world of jazz, you know, while always being a classical guitarist, right? Um, and never, never really trying to be 
a musician in that like I'm not like a jazz musician, right. but mm-hmm. I can play a little bit of jazz. I yep. dabble in yep. and I mm-hmm. and I love it and I can learn from it and I can and there's aspects of it that I try to bring into my arrangements and even like when I program, I sort of think about things I just think in a way that's um maybe informed by some of these other genres. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that that I don't I'm not sure that, that answers what, what it's, your it's okay. Was. I mean, it brings up a lot of a lot of other thoughts. The, the constellation thing is is interesting, mm-hmm. and the the comment that you just made about being a, a classical guitar player, but being interested in country and flamenco and jazz, which of course, as a guitar player, these are all extremely important traditions. Um, I I have a yeah. similar I, I I have a similar relationship. I feel like I. I cannot in good conscience call myself a classical guitar player anymore, but um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think um, I've been playing in sort of the pit orchestra world and sort of like the, yeah. the professional performing world for a long time, which is interesting because it's, it's definitely a, a jack of all trades, master of none problem because I think I've become a bad rock player, a bad jazz player, a bad <laughs> reggae player, blah, 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 but I can kind of do you know, I, I can sort of make things sound like all of those different traditions. So, wh- to you, what does it mean to be a classical guitar player? And then, d- what what are what information are you getting from these other traditions? I feel like flamenco to me is the easiest connection, and then maybe jazz and country. I'm very interested in. Yeah, uh, okay. country guitar playing blows my mind. It's amazing, oh, yeah. and I yeah. I'm kind of disconnected from it. Well, I'm only at the very beginning of my exploration, really, of country. Um, so we'll, I'll get, come back to that. But it makes me think. Actually, this is gonna. This is very, very lofty, and I and I don't expect to achieve this in my lifetime. But I think it was Pablo Casals who said that his aspiration was to be a human being, a musician. And then a cellist in nice. that order. Good. Yeah. yeah. I love <laughs> which it. I think, which also is my aspiration to be a human being, a musician, and then a, and then a classical guitarist. Right. Or a guitarist. Okay. And then a classical guitarist, maybe it would even divide it up like that. Um, it's interesting. Which you I, put first. <laughs> well, yeah, because I think that, um, yeah, because I think, I view classical guitar as my roots, like just mm-hmm. like in the way that like almost like my it's almost in in a way not it's not a perfect co- comparison or whatever, but it's almost in a way like my um, nationality hmm. or something. OK. Or it's like my it's like a, an aspect of my identity mm-hmm. that is that is undeniable, but it, that is never <laughs> and it is never going to go away even if i become you know even if i go live somewhere else outside of this country or whatever mm-hmm. i'll still be like an american living in wherever um so but i but that's only again one aspect of right of who i am right so but it is but it is a core aspect so i i think like as a i think classical guitar because i began playing classical guitar from a very young age Mm. and i started with classical guitar because of my father um, who was a serious amateur and started teaching me when i was very very young um and so that's not that's unusual 
It is unusual. Yeah. Most classical guitarists over the last several decades, you know, begin with other, some other style of guitar Mm -hmm. and then they, and then they come into classical guitar. So for me, it's very, I mean, I, you know, and and I was very fortunate that he took me to see John Williams, the guitarist, Julian Bream, the Romero's like at age like six, seven, eight, I was going to these concerts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I get to even go backstage and meet them and say hello to them and this sort of thing. And went to master classes by about age of, I think 10 with Pepe for the first time and, or eight, maybe even eight. Um, So uh, yeah, I was very, very fortunate that, to have this. So it's very, very like, I feel like in terms of my musical DNA, Mm -hmm. it's very, very deep. It runs. And I was listening to, it was like, he was playing like Segovia records and all that stuff, like in the house, like a lot. So I was just, it was very, so for me, it's just a very important part. Yeah, man. It's a very important part of me. Most classical guitar players I know started off playing like green day and black Sabbath and stuff. That's, Mm -hmm. that's very cool. Uh, yeah. I love it. It's like it's so embedded. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, and then I and then I had this distinct memory though of a, a few there's a few like interesting things that happened to me um as a kid. One was that my uncle uh when I was like maybe in the 5th grade or something like that, I think, gave me I have to remember I'm kind, I'm kind of an old guy. I grew up in the 90s. <laughs> um and I actually remember at a certain point going with my dad to to buy a CD player because up to that point, like mm. CDs were not actually the main right. thing, like like in the late eighties into the right. you know it only tapes. was yeah it was cassette tapes absolutely yeah. and it was records mm. but cassette tapes were actually like the main the right. main thing at that point so. Uh, I remember my uncle for Christmas gave me this like cassette player, like a boom box. And it was the coolest thing. It was a bright red. It, it was like designed to look like a 1957 Chevy. It's like this old, <laughs> like a car. Like it was a cool. And like a, for, a, great. for a, for a kid in the oh, yeah. fifth grade, like, like awesome. this is the coolest. <laughs> and he gave me a cassette of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band cool. with, with that thing. And, and I wore that out, mm-hmm. you know, completely. And that okay. was like so mind blowing to hear that that album. Okay, so um, there's ro- that, there's rock and roll for you. There's there's guitar player right in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 a whole different style. And then you know, my dad ha- like had some of that stuff around to him. Later, I kind of became more mm-hmm. and more aware. And there were of course other moments along the way. And then I remember listening to Kind of Blue when I was like senior uh-huh. year of high school, and that oh, also being. Yep. I actually spent time. I had a medical issue and was spent some time in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to Kind of Blue in the hospital. And it feeling like a healing, yeah. like like hearing that music, it just being so sort of luminous. It sounded yeah. like, you know, when like Miles comes in on some of the tunes and then Coltrane is playing and mm-hmm. all the stuff that's going on in that record and how just how how sort of moody it is and yeah. sort of how just evocative. And it was so it just felt like a balm to to, to yeah. hear that music and it was very it was very very interesting so there are a few like moments there's a whole host of other moments but those kind of musical moments for me and i'm sure like a lot of people have these kinds of experiences with music where they were and it might be something like you know this uh you know something related to you know a young relationship and ha- listening uh-huh. to this record right. to get them through that or, mm-hmm. to, or whatever you know that's right. very common and i've had some of that yeah. sort of thing as well but um 
so I think that that's really interesting. But I think for musicians, it takes on a another. There's another aspect to it for those of us that are who are when we hear when we come across certain um, recordings or performances or artists that we discover um, in our young years, especially. But it's it happens mm-hmm. later too. I mean, actually, mm-hmm. like I said, I've only recently taken a kind of a deep dive into country music so and and that's it's been great i think i i just i always want to kind of try to retain actually as much of that youthful excitement that that i had when i was in the fifth grade listening to sergeant peppers i want to i and i actually feel like i i do like you know now i'm listening to like bob wills's texas playboys (laughs) from like the 1940s amazing and listening, and I'm like as excited about hearing mm-hmm. that and hearing Hank Williams and and oh, yeah. um, and all this stuff as I was, you know, hearing the Beatles, yeah. um, you know, when I was in grade school. So it's pretty interesting how just the the yeah again to go back to all the discovering these constellations and how it's just so deep and there's so many portals into the wide world of music and in and then into these different. Mm-hmm. constellations again if you will oh yeah well with with classical guitar specifically and um this is not meant to be um an attack or an offense to classical guitar Bring it on. <laughs> no, no, <it's> <laughs> I, I i see it as as a tradition that sort of um brings other uh sort of vernacular traditions into it. And I remember thinking about this when you were doing the uh, Gershwin arrangements at, at UW, because I think that, that that was also part of Gershwin's practice in, in a lot of ways. But I think it's something intrinsic to a lot of classical guitar writing, referencing flamenco and Spanish music and then samba music and uh, bossa nova in Brazil. Um and, and I'm interested in this with 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 country music, um, and I think that that is that's happening more country and blues and rock and roll, which are so intrinsic to the world of guitar, but also like very divorced from classical guitar in a way. How classical guitar can can take on these musics and keep them powerful, not not sort of neuter them, keep them powerful, but also. Uh, maintain the the technique and the the beautiful artifice of classical guitar. Yeah, very well well said. Um, it reminds me of something that John Williams, the guitarist, said. I believe in uh, the film The Seville Concert, which was a really cool kind of documentary film that that Williams did sometime in the late nineties, I think. Um, and he says in there something like the guitar has no great classical west western classical uh-huh. repertoire to right. speak of on one yep. on one hand mm-hmm. and on the other hand it has a repertoire that is infinite and yep. that is and because it does have exactly what you're talking about the because the guitar beyond the classical guitar because the guitar has become a, a folk instrument and a popular instrument in so many different parts of the world, so many different musical traditions that the, the, the classical guitar can also, you know, sort of bring that into the fold of, of its repertoire mm-hmm. and exactly what you're talking about. It's really, 
it's really exciting and interesting how that has been the case and continues to to be i i think but i also think that actually this idea of bringing like popular music or folk the vernacular music mm-hmm. is something that has existed forever oh, yeah. mm-hmm. in most traditions including i mean in west i mean you know um Mozart and Haydn are using like songs that are essentially right. like drinking songs or hymns or whatever they were, you know, and, and, and then, you know, doing incredible things with those, those tunes and stuff like that was some of what they were doing or things that were influenced by, you know, again, tavern songs, religious right. songs, all kinds of things like that beyond just concert music. So it it's, it's been a part of, I think, also the bigger world of classical music for a long time. But but I also think you're right that the guitar does have a particular way of doing that that's mm-hmm. pretty special. Right. Well, the, there's there's a video, and I don't remember wh- what it's from, but I think it's Segovia describing the guitar as an orchestra in and of itself. And he talks about the, the, the different registers and the basses and the winds in, in the middle and the strings soaring up on top and things like that. And, and thinking about the classical guitar as a full ensemble in and of itself, which I, to me is the big distinction um, between classical guitar and a lot of other types of guitar. And it isn't, it isn't uh, complete because solo jazz guitar is that also. And if you listen to Brazilian samba players, if they're playing solo, they're doing that also. And even even blues guitar players and and, and Mark Knopfler, the the way he plays, he's he's being a full ensemble, and that ability to do that on the guitar is crazy because it's it's not like the piano, but it is like the piano. I I often think of the guitar as six keyboards that are kind of offset at an angle like that. Absolutely. One thing I would I would make a distinction, however, between I agree with that. That's really that's really great. I just would make a distinction actually with one thing, which is I uh-huh. think important, which is I think that the classical guitar is unique in that you can get a wider range of timbres sure. with the nylon string a, a classical guitar. I uh-huh. think. With the with the with a sort of well developed classical training and technique, you can right. get so many different kinds of colors and timbres that are, I think, reflective of the symphonic orchestra mm-hmm. uh, in a in a micro yeah. sense. You know what I mean? Whereas I think those other uh, uh, styles are emulating more like the ensembles of the traditions from which they come which also have a timbral range and all sure. that but it may okay. not be quite the the mm. same kind of timbral range I as see. the symphonic orchestra has right so that would that would be the one thing that i would say that's a, that's a bit of a distinction but it's not to take anything away from those other styles but yeah. i just think that the, the symphonic <laughs> orchestra is yeah. such a is such a mm-hmm. you know is like again to go back to something I can't remember the composer. You might know that there was some composer from the 20th century who talked about the the terrible power of the symphonic orchestra. Mm, okay, and, I, I don't know, uh, but that's a good. That I that like phrase it. really stuck with me though, because I mean, of course, you listen to, I mean, even Beethoven for sure, but you listen to Bruckner or Mahler, mm-hmm. and you definitely oh, hear yeah. that terrible power. Um, but you know, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know about that with classical guitar though. 
I, I don't Not think quite I would say terrible power with classical. No, guitar. no, you, you're right. Except there's one player who uh -huh. you hear it in, and that's okay. Kazuhito Yamashita. If you've ever okay. heard his playing, and uh, like he's done unbelievable things, especially when he was young. Like he plays the entire Dvorak's Ninth Symphony on solo guitar, and he plays the Firebird Suite by Stravinsky on solo guitar on nylon and strings. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And when you hear that, you do hear the terrible power okay. <laughs> in wow. one in one man playing an instrument. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's sort of like uh, doing something that's sort of mysterious, I think, on some level. Okay. Um, because it's it's pretty. Yeah. So you could track down, I think, some of those recordings still. Uh, Kazuhito Yamashita. Okay. Um, but anyway, no, you're right. Uh, that aspect, not not to that extent of, of like those, especially the late romantic orchestra, but right. in terms of more of the sense of the timbral, right. um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, differences and, and contrasts of the different colors. And that's, there's that, maybe that's the video. I know there's the, the film that Segovia did where he actually says like, the, this is the sound of the cello. This yes, is the sound of the trumpets. Yep. And that's yep. exactly what, what I'm talking about. So I don't think that those other styles of guitar quite, do have that timbral right those timbral differences mm -hmm. but they still have you know they might have things though that 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 are not happening with classical guitar like particularly you think about a player like chet atkins where he's got mm -hmm. the thumb going oh, yeah. with the thumb pick and that thumping bass kind of thing that happens in, in in country western music um you know so there's that or or you know all those other styles where they're kind of emulating or like a like Tommy Emmanuel, who's, mm -hmm. you know, kind of the, you know, some ways a successor to Chet, um, right. has like taken that, like, and kind of added like the rock and roll element where it's like very kind of all out, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. There's a power there for sure too. Uh, yeah. so it's, it, 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 it's interesting. I, I have this weird relationship with classical guitar for this reason, because I, it, it's so delicate and I, I, I relate it to harp. Because my wife is a harpist, and um, I I feel like both instruments sort of excel at being pretty, but the power is is honestly quite difficult in terms of like if you go see ACDC, you have ten thousand people losing their minds. That is hard to do with a classical guitar. Well, it's going, yeah, but yes, of course, but that's like comparing, you know, um, <laughs> Rembrandt to Picasso. They're not trying right. to achieve the same of thing. Of course. So, right, right, right. The, the power so is different. I, it, it, it's the it's power seeking is different. something I mean, different. Yeah, I mean, but again, there's power in in uh, in the classical guitar for sure. I mean, and not just with the Yamashita. I mean, Pepe Romero is oh, another yeah. brilliant mm -hmm. example of an extremely powerful player. And I recently did uh, a, an arrangement of a piece by uh, Joaquin Torina, who wrote a mm -hmm. bunch of music for the guitar for Segovia, but he also was a prolific composer who wrote a lot of piano music mm. and a lot of other things. And I, I arranged a couple of his piano pieces, and one in particular, um, this, uh, it's called Sacramonte. It's from his um, Cinco Danzas Gitanas. Uh, and that is, is a piece kind of like a little bit maybe almost like leyenda is a very famous mm, example mm -hmm. by by albanese that's that's in some ways emulating at least aspects or at least the spirit of flamenco and that right. power that, that mm -hmm. is in flamenco and so there's a lot of the, the rasciados and 
and the and and this kind of thing where there is definitely a power and i'm really trying to get that across when i'm playing a, a piece like that like it's definitely very mm-hmm. different from um what i'm trying to do when i play you know a piece like recuerdos or something that's right. that's very lyrical yes. you know yes. so there is a definitely like a range but it's just a different it's just a medium that has like a different kind of uh, I guess you would say like tonal, mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't know, range, sure. but I don't mean tonal in the sense of like, um, harmonically, but I mean, t- you right. know what I mean? Just, yes. I um, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, I think everybody gets you. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, um, so, okay. I have a question for you yes, because, yes. um, uh, kind of going back a couple of things. Um, so about the pandemic time and mm. kind of uh, how do you think that that has, uh, because I've been reflecting on this. Like I said, I think we're going to be having these conversations a lot for a long, long yeah. time about how do you, do you think that it's, can you speak more to how you think it's impacted like the kinds of projects you've done? And like, for example, I actually wanted to ask you, so did, I've, I've seen some of your podcast, um, mm. um, for a little while, but is that something that you started before the pandemic or was it started during the pandemic? Yeah. It, it, uh, it, it's something I've been doing for a while. Um, what I like about podcasts is I like the process of thinking out loud and it strikes it. it I feel like it's the foil to writing an article where, you edit it and you come up with the perfect version of your argument or something like that. And what I like about a podcast is it's long form. There, there's no time limit. There's no ads. There's no, there's, I mean, there could be, but not, uh, sure. those aren't intrinsic to the, to the medium. And so you can pose questions and you can think out loud and you can hear people's thought process. And that, that human connection is what I like about a podcast, which is interesting because it's a digital medium. And people are listening while driving or something like that. Yeah. But uh, it, it's 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 hearing people's thought process, which is something that yep. I'm thinking about a lot with respect to academia, about where the, quote, I, like me, exists in academia, because a lot of academic writing is posed objectively, as if something is true. Here's the evidence for why it's true. But... At the same time, most of those things are still opinions. And so there's an honesty to saying, I think this is true. And that's absolutely that that's what's powerful about a podcast to me. And so this is why I've been I've been pushing on this and even pre pandemic pushing in this direction. Okay. I'd like to follow up with that, but just to um, and and I don't have to keep asking questions because I know I'm supposed to. It's, it's okay. No, no, no. Whatever. It's, it's free form, man. That's it. It's, but, uh, it's we're thinking out loud. Right. Absolutely. No, absolutely. You're right. I mean, that's what the form, that's what the podcast is. It's basically listening in on a conversation. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, there's, I think, obviously been a lot of interest in that because, you know, podcast is a very popular format. Right. And uh, I mean, I listen to a whole bunch of different ones and, and it is exactly that. You're listening in on people's thoughts and you're listening in on conversation. Mm-hmm. Um so, but I, um, yeah. So do you think though, that, that things have, that besides, I know you spoke about right. the teaching, how that aspect, are yeah. there other, other, other aspects of it that have, um, for you been 
that changed in any way the way that you yeah. you you're, or, or or even just particular projects that you actually say like I, I can't do this or I don't want to do mm-hmm. this, but I'm going to redirect here or I'm going to continue this, but I'm going to tweak it based on something that's happened. So some some elements that are yeah. you know been part of the way things have been as a result of this. I mean, I think the the decentralization of performance is is something that's big, and I think. Unfortunately, I actually don't like this, but I think that live performance is becoming more peripheral to people's experience. And so the digital medium, like we're all becoming cyborgs kind of a thing. Uh, we're, we're all becoming more and more attached to our electronic devices, our phones, our computers, our tablets, things like that. Um, and so I think having a presence in the digital space is, is becoming more important Obviously, I mean, we all feel this. We've felt this for years. Um, so the the podcast and the pandemic have they kind of go hand in hand. Uh, they're sort of helping each other. Specifically, Zoom. I mean, there's a nice little framing for anybody watching on YouTube. It looks great. You're over here. I'm over here. I can put my logo right. in the corner. <laughs> it's it's wonderful. But at the same time, I used to only do podcasts in person, and that was kind of a rule I had because I wanted to have that face to face. Yeah. And um, so the the pandemic has it's once again it's it's kind of like a double edged sword. The yeah. Zoom is a neat little program that that frames everything nicely, but at the same time, I'm not having in person conversations. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, and that that makes sense. It's right. Yeah. But so there's. I'm hearing if I'm hearing what you're saying, and I would agree with this that there are there are kind of a pros and cons, and there's right, there's there's aspects of it that are. Now, I don't quite. I mean, obviously, during the pandemic, the the, the live performance has become peripheral. Mm-hmm. I I actually, I mean, who knows what's going to happen, right? But right. I, I see actually maybe we're going to have a period of a kind of renaissance of of cool. um, of live performance. I hope so, and. And it being actually, because I think people are really going to crave it mm-hmm. and really, and especially once they experience it, I think they, if they have a good experience that they will actually crave it even more because I've been thinking about this a lot because I, I live performance is my favorite mm-hmm. thing about music making oh, yeah. period full stop. Yep. <laughs> and uh, you know, that's maybe true for a lot of people, but certainly not for everyone. But as a performer, like, I mean, recording is very sort of it can feel at times very tedious and very, you know, the process is very, for me, feels very lo- sort of laborious and just right. very, and, and I mean, it's, it's rewarding and it, and I, and I, and I, I enjoy it in many ways, but at the same time, uh, you know, I'm definitely a perfectionist as a lot of us become after doing this for so long, you know, and, um, and so, you know, I mean, I can take many, many days to, to, to get a, a take on a very short piece that I'm pleased with, you know, mm-hmm. enough to, to put out or whatever. Um, but well, here's what I like about live performance and maybe Pepe Romero because he, he kind of gets into kind of a lot of the kind of spiritual and almost mystical aspects of music making talks about, I think like 
the ephemeral nature of live performance. And I think about that a lot about how the notes kind of disappear mm. into the air and right. there's something like beautiful about that. Right. And there's something about this moment, the way that this is happening right now will never happen again. Yep. Like, and when I think about my, the most memorable moments of my life and the best moments of my life, mm -hmm. it's not, even though I have good memories of listening to recordings and watching movies and, and things like that, it's almost always it's some kind of a, an experience with at least one other person. It may just yep. be a one-on-one -on -one yes, personal important. moment, or it may be a shared moment of a group of friends or a performance with an audience, mm -hmm. you know, but it's like, and it's because I think partly it's because maybe all of the people there, whether it's you and one other person or whether it's you and a group of people in a performance or in a group of friends or whatever, it, 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 it is that those people are all feel really mm -hmm. present in this moment. Right. And, and there's something about that that is just to me, like beyond any experience of like, as, 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 interesting and as good as some of these experiences can be and i'm not so i'm not saying that you know we shouldn't have the technology or whatever right. i'm you know as as tech as technologically behind as i often feel i'm certainly not a luddite <laughs> or anything like that right. i mean I, I i believe in exactly like when you talked about like having the importance of having a presence i think that's one thing that the pandemic helped me Mm. Uh, understand more i really started my youtube channel during the pandemic i had oh, wow. and i've okay. been wanting to do it for a mm. long time i started i never had instagram not that i think that 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 social media uh, is that great but it's another right. tool right mm -hmm. it's another way of of right. discovering things and discovering people and of sharing your stuff so i just kind of view it like that and certainly for me youtube has been actually like really fun thing to play with because it's it, it's meant that i can i can um put out videos of my arrangements which has basically mm -hmm. been my channel and been my project and it's something that i just hope to now continue you know and it's and it's allowed me to kind of carve out my own niche if you will and right. basically do what i think it is that you're doing which i see what you're doing with your duo now with mm -hmm. the banjo and right. um, yeah, yeah. bass are very cool and it's like it strikes me you you can speak for yourself but it strikes me that because that seems like such a kind of unique project it seems like you're just doing you're just making the music that you want to make yes there yep Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm doing. And so, and so, you know, on my channel with my arrangements and I'm actually fortunate enough to be able to publish my arrangements too now through music notes. Great. Um, but, cool. but I, um, so people can buy them, right? People can buy, they, buy them. So find them. I'll yes. put the links below. Yeah. Everybody yeah, get absolutely. Miles's arrangements. Absolutely. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for sure. So, but you know, I've done Beethoven, I've mm -hmm. done Billie Eilish, I've done cool. Rosalia, the Spanish pop slash flamenco singer. I've mm -hmm. done Willie Nelson. I've done Ola Yellow, who is a Norwegian mm -hmm. composer based in New York City. I've done film music. So I've done this mm -hmm. kind of, it's, and done Joaquin Turina. So I'm doing stuff that's sort of weird in a way to do, to do like, <laughs> in, in, in some ways to do like mm -hmm. music that's kind of all over the map. And, mm -hmm. or again, to go back to this idea that's sort of, 
uh, it's sort of borrowing from the different constellations, but that's what I, right. that's what I'm passionate about. That's what I'm interested in. And, you know, little by little, I'm starting to build a small audience for it. Great. You know, the people are, and maybe some people who, who really like the Billie Eilish song are like, what is this classical stuff? And maybe some people who are like, <laughs> like, like the classical stuff are rolling their eyes at the pop arrangements or, or whatever. But I think that's actually not the majority. I think the I majority, because I think when you, when the musician or the artist believes in what they're doing mm -hmm. and what you'll at least, and, and is, and is doing and has really given their time and attention and devotion to it, that the, the audience, they can tell. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I mean, when, when, when Takamitsu does an arrangement of yesterday by the Beatles, or he, he, he writes, uh, uh some right. complex, uh, classical guitar piece. He's he both of those things are legitimate art and he's he it's because he loves both of those things. Yeah, absolutely. That's I think that's the key. Um Pat Metheny said mm -hmm. uh, jazz guitarist Pat Metheny said I make music to please my inner fan. Yeah, that's I good. I think that's great. I mean, that's 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 the way I think about it too. Is mm -hmm. I and, and and I think being that's the advantage for me I mean, within academia, I was doing, yes, I was doing Gershwin, I was doing Aaron Copeland, I was able mm -hmm. to, to do the things that I really wanted to do, but I do feel more free now being right. out of academia. Now, maybe that's just a figment of my imagination to some extent, because perhaps had I continued maybe. in academia mm -hmm. and had I, had I you know, uh, maybe I would have been able to carve out my own, like, this is what I do and whatever. Right. And, you know, but I don't know. I feel like you know i i can just do what i want to do now and i don't right. and and i'm gonna have like i said like i i've also been thinking i wanted to ask you another question mm -hmm. about like your audience and if you think about mm -hmm. your audience both right. for the podcast or for the yep. music that you make and if you think about and, and who they are like right. i think i started thinking about that and wondering about that a little bit because it's harder to tell with the digital Thing, especially with a YouTube channel, because you mm -hmm. don't always see who your subscribers are, yep. or even if you do see them, sometimes they don't have much of a, um, uh, like a page of their own, or they don't right. have their own videos. It's just like their email account or something. <laughs> so yeah, you right. see like a username, but you don't know, like, well, I have no idea, like what demographic mm. does this person fit into? Like, is this a, is this a classical music aficionado? Is this just, is this a right. guitar player? Is this a mm -hmm. casual a music listener, you know, I don't really, I, my sense is that I've got a little bit of all of that as my audience because of the, the diverse kind of sense. stuff that I'm yeah. putting out. It's like on certain things are attracting the Tarina is going to attract <laughs> classical guitar aficionados. The, yeah. the Billie Eilish is going to attract different people. The Willie Nelson song is going to attract a different audience, yep. the, you know, all, all that stuff, the Beethoven and so on. So, I, I don't know, but I mean, have you thought about that? Like, who your audience? Like, who is your who is your audience for the right. podcast? Are they musicians only? Mm -hmm. Right. I, they, but they're different kinds of musicians because you've course. interviewed many different types of musicians. Yes. So wide, wide. Yeah. It's quite a wide spectrum. Yeah, it, it, it it's a little bit tough, and and it, it's something I think about um, in terms of of making my own music and my own content and um, all those different areas, and. It's tough because, um, like, when I was at UW Madison, uh, Laura Schwenninger, one of the composition professors, because I was a composition major, um, 
was saying, uh, you know, I, ho I hope you never think about your audience. I hope you just make your art as you want to make it. And I, I very much understand that. And like when we were talking about Kind of Blue, I think that, you know, John Coltrane and Miles Davis are doing what they do. And that's part of what allows people to connect with them because they're not saying, oh, I hope you like this. Please like this. What they're saying is this is what's powerful and important to me. And that is one of the most powerful things you can do as an artist is display to the world what's powerful to you. And, and to go back on something you said before, if a, if a situation or an event is powerful to you and at least one other person, that's the connection. And so I think it's yeah. about human connection, but I don't think it's 100%. about chasing people around trying to say, oh, I hope you like this. Please no. like this. Please like this. No, no. Right. It's about saying this is this is important to me and then connecting with other people who that's also important to. So like if you do a Billie Eilish arrangement, there's people who will both like classical guitar and Billie Eilish and be like, oh, this is amazing. I love this. Sure. And then you're going to be like, I love it, too. High five. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. I I will. I agree with you, I, although I, I uh -huh. would add a slight maybe qualification, mm -hmm. which is which is this, that uh, I remember years ago when I was an undergraduate um, in town of Florida, a professor there um, quoting um, Milton Babbitt. You know, oh, yeah, total don't care if you listen, and, right? Yeah, and that he said, I don't make music for... right. I, he said, I make music for my colleagues. Mm. I don't, that, that's what I make music for. <laughs> right. And the professor, the particular professor his opinion of that was like, well, you kind of law like that, mm -hmm. that's something that is, doesn't seem like it's kind of consistent with uh, maybe the tradition of art actually right. in many ways. Like that's that like, and, and Babbitt was a mathematician, right? So it's, right. I think it was more of that mathematician mind and the academic, yep. but oh, not yeah. even, even beyond academic music, more like mathematician ac academia. Right. I mean, Babbitt, Babbitt believed he was on sort of the vanguard of, of musical experimentation and research. And, like that what he was doing was closer to yeah. theoretical physics than yeah. like Mozart. Yeah, right. Right. And I think there's a place for that. It's, it, it, you know, I think right. there's certainly a place for experimentation and there's certainly a place for, for all of that. I think for me though, I, I also want to, I want to make music that I think most people would probably like, whether or not they know mm -hmm. anything about, um, classical guitar classical music or any of the music that i'm mm. playing really all but i but it's not chasing people around you're right. right and it's not maybe what some of the more like far end of like the commercial side of pop right. is like i mean you're just, a classical guitar player right, right. You, you have your you have your line in the sand you're right there you're doing your art Although, yes, but I, but I will also say this. I remember Paco de Lucia, you know, mm. uh, saying that, you know, the, the instrument is just a vehicle for expression. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I definitely think about that, too, as as terms of classical guitar. It's, it's a little bit like if I'm a poet in the English language, like, mm. OK, I'm a poet and I, I'm, and I'm writing poetry in English. But but I mean, how many different kinds of poets are there? You know, I mean, you know, E.E. E. Cummings is not like Shakespeare. Right. Um, and so. Uh, I mean, I, yes, that's the vehicle of expression for me, classical guitar, but I also don't want it to be. Uh, 
I just think of it as my roots, but I don't, mm-hmm. but I think for some people it can become like a, these kind of labels can become a limitation. And that's why like doing the different genres and the different arrangements and different styles. And even when I play other people's music too, when I program a, a concert, mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely think about like, I, I'm always trying to actually do a diverse program because I think, because mostly it does start with, with what you said. It, it, it first is, do I like it? Right. Do I really enjoy mm-hmm. digging into this music? And But also, do I enjoy, I guess here's the connection. It's do I enjoy playing it for people? Mm. And kind and I think that that is a, an aspect of it. I'm not just playing for myself. Right. I think that's important. Like, it's like, and nothing, to, that, that's okay to, to do that sometime um, as just maybe a, a, a practice for yourself. Right. So that, but I, as in terms of being a, a musician who's who's out here trying to make my little contribution, mm-hmm. I mean, I want to make p- music that I think people are going to like. So yeah, I, 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 it's not like I don't, you know. I think again, even with Miles, where he was like turning his back to the audience. <laughs> in my opinion, like I, I, I don't know because like Louis Armstrong was a showman, right? You know, mm-hmm. but he's every bit at least the artist that, that miles was, you oh, know, yeah. I, there wasn't anything, you know, there wasn't less of an artist because he was also like a showman. Right. Um, so that goes again, maybe back to the entertainment aspect. And I mean, I'll tell you this, when I think about programming, a a, a concert, I think of myself actually as like the curator of a museum, and I, I, I think maybe I got this idea from actually Mussorgsky's Pictures in an Exhibition, uh, the piece where it's like every movement is like a picture. And then the, he also has the promenade movements where you walk from painting mm-hmm, to painting, right. you know. Um, but I think about that when I program and it's almost like when I go to a museum, I want to kind of lose myself in a painting for a moment. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like when I watch a, a, a film or an episode of a show, like mm-hmm. I'm entering into that world for two hours or for a half an hour or whatever it is. And, and so when I, when I perform, especially live, but it applies to creating digital content mm-hmm. as well. I'm trying to create worlds that people can enter yes. into, Yep. you know, that's basically my goal. And, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's an offering, right? What we're doing is an offering. I love that. I, I, you know, actually, I forget who it was, but there's the musical musical offering, right? It's Bach, uh-huh, isn't it? Right. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful, what a beautiful phrase, a mm-hmm. musical offering. That's, I think, what we're always doing is actually, mm, okay. to me, that's what I want to be doing. Is it like I'm, I'm creating something that I really like, and then I'm offering it. Up. Uh-huh. Right. And, you know, take it or leave it, but hopefully take it. <laughs> right. <laughs> of course. <yeah. laughs> right. You care a little bit if they listen. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd like you to listen. I'd say yes, it like that. Exactly. I'd like you to listen. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think that's powerful. I think that I think that's good. Another question for you, and we can, and then if there's any other questions you may be having, then we can play. Yeah. Um. So you're in LA mm-hmm. area, right? Yep. Um. And how long have you been there? Uh, since 2014, so a while now. Okay, so been there for. For a while and when you went out there did you go out to go to to, to do a degree yes. to go to school yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. teach what okay yeah i, I came so out went, here for a, a master's in uh 
Integrated Composition, Improvisation, and Technology. Okay. Yeah. That's a mouthful. Okay. Um, that sounds pretty interesting. And then, so, after that mm -hmm. time in school, um, you decided to stay, or you have stayed. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what has that, what has being in such a huge city and and being an, an independent musician and having kind of like a, a variety you're doing some teaching you're doing musical theater stuff yep. you've got your own independent right. projects mm -hmm. you've got the podcast so you've got what a lot of us do which is we have you you have multiple right things right. going at once but um what has that experience been like for you in such a place where it seems like sometimes maybe people can get lost in mm. such a big, and maybe people sometimes think they're going to somewhere to try mm. to break in maybe to, to film right. score or stuff or, or, or whatever it is, or, or any number of, or, you know, the pop world or whatever yeah, yeah. that's so competitive, but it seems like maybe, and maybe you're doing some of that too. I don't know, but it seems like you've got kind of, several of your own things that you're doing and you're sort of carving out your own niche right. in a way. But I don't know. What is your sense of all of that? I mean, I think there's a little bit of a myth of quote, like making it or something like that. I think that what, okay. what happens with most people is you, you, you find yourself working in an area and then you kind of build up in that area or you find like what you're saying, you find a niche or something like that. So, um, uh, I, I've really enjoyed playing uh, in sort of the musical theater circuit around the LA area. Um, and that's good. Uh, I, I feel like I, I'm probably the best guitarist I've ever been. Like my reading is, is, is really yeah. good. And like programming in terms of pedals and sounds and all that stuff. Like uh, I think my technique is that my level is much, much higher than it's ever been or it was pre pandemic. And I'm trying to keep it up um, through my own projects. But, yeah. uh, I mean, I, it's tough. I think there's there's all these weird ideas about music. Like, you don't yeah. have to, oh, quote, yeah. make it. You don't have to be a rock star. You can you can have right. a career just being a yeah. musician. And there's, right. there's, there's money, there's work, there's plenty of stuff to go around. And so this, like... You know, your, your parents are worried because there's only one Michael Jackson. It's true there's only one Michael Jackson, but there's thousands and thousands of musicians who play with Michael Jackson and who play on the right. musical that they make out of Michael Jackson's music. And there's all this work, and it's, it's this whole decentralized thing. And so I think yeah. that's, that's a big thing that people who are getting into music can learn, is that you don't, you don't have to shoot for the top. It's nice to shoot for the top, but there's tons of work in all these different areas. And you can work in arranging and composing and performing. And if you like tech, you can work in audio engineering. There's all, the, it's, it's completely decentralized. That's great. And what a kind of, I think, healthy way to think about it. And you can do whatever it is you do, I think, at a very high level. Yes. I mean, yep. you know, and I think, I think you're doing that. But it's like you, so it's not like it's just because you're not famous or you're not maybe making millions or something right. that you're not successful. I think you're right. There's so much mystique around mm -hmm. music, you know, around the world of music. 
And that exists in, I think, every different genre, actually. It exists in oh, classical yeah. music, too. Mm-hmm. You know, the mystique of the competition winners or the, or the you know, the performer who's, you know, the soloist, you yeah. know, touring, mm-hmm. playing concerti with orchestras. Yeah, that's one that's one that's great part of it and that's the most glamorous maybe but then again a lot of their life is not glamorous because the, you know a lot of it's just you know spending time in hotel rooms yep. between gigs and stuff like that so um you know not you know so there's a lot to it yeah and i think that's really that's really good and really interesting so part of why i'm asking is because i'm about to move Mm. Um, I've been living in Wisconsin for about a decade, mm-hmm. a little more than, um, and I'm about to move to Nashville, which oh, of course is great. a hub of music and a hub yeah. of country music and why, and I, and I'm not going to, to, to do country music. Right. Um, but of course I, I, I always kind of think when in Rome, at least do a little bit of mm-hmm. what the Romans do. Um, so, <laughs> uh, so I, so, um, but I'm, I will continue to, 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 actually do the the current day job that i have which is working for music notes this company that does um mm-hmm. digital sheet music and do editing with them and that's oh, been cool. a, a nice a, a really nice um job in many many ways um mm-hmm. and has afforded the opportunity to do things other other things right. kind of on the side mostly performing and creating my own content now and all of that so um but it's just interesting I think to as I was kind of yeah as we reconnected and everything mm-hmm. to look at where you're at and what you're doing I think there's maybe some actually parallels between going to a such a big place that's such a hub of music and right. there's so much musical culture and musical life there and yet yeah I, like and there are tons of people as you know who go out there to be in the movies or to to do yep. film music or to do rock or pop right, right. and try to get, and try to you know become the next big thing and they they go to nashville to become the next country star or whatever um but that's not why you went out there is what i'm hearing you say and that's not and that's not why i'm going down there but it is actually uh, one reason to be in these places is to Mm -hmm. participate in that other kind of that that infrastructure like yeah the culture the scene and also the kind of the infrastructure of the for lack of a better term industry i mean you know we're not primarily maybe in the commercial music world so although you know in some regards i am with with music notes Mm -hmm. but it's a different thing so it's really interesting to think about and it's i think it's a it's something that i don't i don't hear talked about very much right you know very rarely do i hear conversations about it's a lot of like yeah, basically, I don't know. You either, yeah, become kind of this top tier performer, or you mm-hmm. teach. Those are like the options right. that people talk about the the most. Right. But but the idea of thinking outside the box, and for me, that's been mm-hmm. so beneficial. And I feel very very fortunate to have the the job that that I have. Um, but I would say that it was partly the result. It was the result of a few things. It was the result of having the right skills, the, mm-hmm. the timing being right. And and having a, a bit of a stroke of just good luck in regards to the timing and all that, but right, also, right. but also um, thinking outside the box and looking and kind of starting and like thinking about like because I'd been in this world of like this is what you do. You basically, if you're a classical guitarist, you know, mostly you 
you you become a cosmic with our teacher right. and whether it yeah. be in a, mm-hmm. a you know whether you have a, your own studio and you perform as well and they're they're very you almost can count them on one hand or certainly two the people that maybe make their entire income off of right performing yeah. classical guitar very and rare, yeah. like like you know and this is this is extraordinarily rare um so but the idea that there are other ways and that, that there mm-hmm. and i i feel that academia ought to do a better job mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. helping students to kind of consider um you know the the variety of different career yep. paths that that, mm-hmm. that 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 are out there um there was this term i'm, I'm blanking kind of on the term because i've been out of this world for so long but there was a term that i remember seeing in the world of academia something like al- alternative something basically for like phds and and people who had terminal degrees mm-hmm. this idea that you know there's this that you can go into other um areas mm-hmm. as a as a job that are beyond simply academia whether it be and I, this is not even only in music this is maybe in other fields as sure. well where you know and i have colleagues or friends who are you know in other fields outside of music who have phds who are do who, who are either have maybe a job in academia but mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not a teaching position it's more like an administrative oh, right 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 or a coordination and it may have mm-hmm. a teaching aspect but it's not primarily teaching um or certainly also like i i have a friend who um has basically a job in the private sector you know as a as a phd doing some like as a think tank this is a person that has a degree advanced degree in education who is working Mm. for a think tank Uh so but that's that's not probably like the most talked about right right considered and i think i don't know that she was thinking about that particularly mm-hmm. you know what i mean um so it's interesting just to think about um you know the the, the different things that are out there i just always try to be i want to continue in every aspect of life really but to just to just um try to see as much of what's going on as possible. Like mm-hmm. to try to get the panoramic view to not get the, yes, the, it's the so easy to get yep. the near more narrow view. And we all do it, I think. And I, oh, yeah. you know, and not, not even on purpose. It's mm-hmm. just, sometimes you have to work to, to see what's going on over there, <laughs> you know, cause yep. I, I'm just looking, cause I, you know, because, because there's so much happening here, mm-hmm. you know? Yep that you can just get sucked into that. But that's not all that's happening, yeah. if that makes sense. No, it, it, it's true. I mean, it, even even like a Michael Jackson concert, you might not even see the other musicians on stage. And that's just the immediate dispersion. And then right. off stage, then you have all these sound people. And then next door, there's a whole other concert going on mm-hmm. with completely different people. And it's this completely dispersed situation. But you only yeah. focus on, oh my gosh, there's Michael Jackson right there. Yeah, it's the rest of the iceberg under the water, right? Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's a cool. great point. I think, yeah, that's good. Interesting. Cool. Well, do, do you want to play something? See, sure. see what happens. We've yeah. been talking. We've been going back and forth. Let's, That'd be fun. Let's see what yeah. happens with music. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I, I as, because I'm a classical guitarist, uh-huh. I'll play classical guitar, but I... Um, I'm not the multi-instrumentalist that you are. Um, so I would, uh, 
I would say, yeah, if you want to play guitar, that's fine. But you can also feel free to grab another instrument, okay. a banjo or a steel string acoustic. Yeah, yeah, be yeah. Fun. Maybe, maybe I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll go grab my banjo. That's that. That would be fun. That'd be fun. Cool. Sweet. Let 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 let's see what happens. Thank you. 
cool. That was fun. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this. Yeah, yeah. Um, how did you get the idea to, or what, what brought about starting to do these improvisations with folks on the podcast? Mm. Well, so I guess it's the, it, it goes, sorry, it, it, uh, it goes back to the, the idea of thinking in real time. And uh, I've always had a love for free improvisation, which actually got started with uh, Steve Dembski at UW Madison, because he he introduced me to Cecil Taylor, and that that the oh. entire idea of um, of playing free feels like communication. It's the same as having a conversation, especially with somebody who you haven't talked to in a long time. So it's it's yeah. that connection. It's that attempting to connect and think together. And so the doing it musically is kind of the, the other end of that. So we have a whole conversation that's free. It can go anywhere. And then we, we try and play some music that's also free and can go anywhere. Very cool. You know, what it reminds me of is the Roland Deans, actually, mm. um, who's a name that will be familiar to classical guitarists, but maybe not to others. But he unfortunately passed away a few years ago, but was a great figure in the world of classical guitar, mm -hmm. a composer, arranger, right. performer. Uh, I was fortunate enough to see him play a few times. Every concert, Ooh. he began with a free improvisation, solo oh, free improvisation. Yeah. And then he would do, actually, he would always do that. He would always play, of course, a lot of his own music and his own arrangements. And he would always play a piece by Fernando Sor, great early 19th century. Uh -huh. So it was this really interesting kind of balance, I think, or, or um, complement, mm -hmm. I guess, in some ways of like, the, again, with the way that I kind of view what I do is like it's rooted. The sore is kind of a tip of the hat to the yep. tradition and the and the rootedness of that, and the and the free improvisation is kind of this embracing of one's own self in, individual right. you know mm -hmm. expression and 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 that, and, and also communicating it with the audience. But of course, the the free improvisation does take on a different nature when it's with another musician, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because like you said, that and I, I've not done it much or, or <laughs> maybe at all, really, like a free improvisation with another person. Because mm -hmm. um, mostly if I'm improvising, I'm improvising in a structure like with a jazz right, tune where course. there's changes and mm -hmm. you're playing over like a, a preset. At least, you, you know, the tune, you know, the chord changes or whatever. But and I've played around maybe a little bit on my own, but to do it with another person is really is a totally different experience now. Yeah. Um, and what a cool thing to do. And yeah, I love the idea and how it actually does. It ties into with the, the verbal um, mm -hmm. conversation in that way. So really neat. Yeah. Very yeah, cool. I, I, I think it was cool. And I think ours, it, it started off very similarly to our, our conversation, you know, like, getting used to each other and talking, and then we found a space and then it kind of like locked in and sunk in and it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Cool, man. Well, thanks so much for talking with me today. It is fun Thank you, to, to, yeah, to get to talk to you about musical ideas, to get to play a little bit. Um, so what, what do you have going on now? What, what should people be looking out for? You have your YouTube channel. With... That's, that's maybe the main thing at the moment since I, I um, yeah, kind of wrapping up. Uh, uh, actually, Madison Classical Guitar Society. Mm. If folks happen cool. to, well, I don't know if this will come out before that, but I'll be playing an event with them, um, kind of as the featured performer. Really, kind of my last um, performance here for a while. 
before um, Nashville, and right? Kind of regrouping, yeah, cool. and 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 all that. So hopefully, I'll be doing some live performing, maybe down in that area sometime mm-hmm. by the fall, if not earlier. Um, so live performance thing is is kind of not yet like happening mm-hmm. in full swing for me, partly because of of, of all that. But the main thing is the, um, yeah, YouTube mm-hmm. and I'm on Facebook and Instagram as well. Miles McConnell guitar, but YouTube is where I'm kind of focusing a lot of mm-hmm. my energy and, and, um, just trying to continue to put out videos of my own arrangements mostly. So I may do some other things in the future. Like I had some requests for doing a tutorial video of one of the arrangements that I've right. done. So mm-hmm. I'm probably going to do that at some point. Um, but it's mm-hmm. going to be a little bit of a, a shift in, in, you know, the type of thing that I've done up to this point, but I think it's good to do. It'll be, especially since I've had some requests, but, um, but yeah, it'll mostly it'll, I'm just, yeah, continue to put out some arrangements and I hopefully have some, a couple of others coming up before too long here. So cool. yeah, please check that out and yeah, love whatever feedback people have. Um, yeah, just let me know. Yeah. What, what you think of the music that I'm doing and, um, it's really interesting. I find like when you ask people for, for feedback, mm-hmm. mostly people are usually pretty kind. I mean, uh, you know, if you're talking maybe to more of a teacher or somebody, they might tell you some more like cr- critical things, which is also important to, to have some of that. But a lot of times, you know, people, when I go and play live or whatever, they mostly tell you what they really like the most. Right. You know, which is really cool. And it's very different, especially because, you know, my programs are so like there's I'm playing. Actually, I play music, um, Japanese repertoire. Oh, I'm cool. playing, you know, a lot of Celtic arrangements mm. of things, not only some of my own, but also other I'm then more traditional classical stuff, some pop t- some arrangements. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's really interesting how, like, different people will really respond to different. Oh, I really enjoyed this particular thing. And. <laughs> It's interesting to get that feedback and, you know, there's some things that come up more than others and Mm -hmm. it kind of ties back to like thinking about the audience, but it's just, um, I mean, I think ultimately like, you know, I feel like we, like we do music because we think that it's, there's, there's value that it has value Mm -hmm. not only for ourselves, but also for other people. And so again, it just feels like, like you know it's important to 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 again to offer it up to people right and to to have that in mind to some to some degree so yeah i agree yeah. all right well everybody check Thank out <laughs> check out miles's music check out his arrangements published on musicnotes.com and uh his videos on youtube subscribe to his channels they're all in the descriptions down below thanks so much for talking with me today miles thank you anthony what a pleasure All right, thanks for listening or watching. Remember to check out Miles' YouTube and also his arrangements on musicnotes.com. And remember to like, leave a comment, and subscribe to my channel. And if you would like to consider supporting my content generally, please visit my Patreon page. Thanks. Bye.